Greater Good Radio. I use as a rule of thumb that I'm trying to get about five times my money in three years or ten times my money in five years. Hi, we can design your home in one minute or less. Inspire. Inspire. If you are doing your passion on a daily basis, then you're never going to have to work a day in your life. Greater Good Radio, brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Pierce Royal Banking. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where we develop tomorrow's leaders by bringing you up close and personal with today's top business people. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to the promotion and implementation of social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Today's show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely loyal banking. Mahalo, Evan. Today's guests are CEO Dean McPhail and President Greg Meyer of Coffee Partners Hawaii, the team that brought to Hawaii Starbucks Coffee and Jamba Juice. They also hold the exclusive rights to Starbucks and Jamba Juice in Florida and Puerto Rico. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Dean McPhail and Greg Meyer. Welcome. Hi there. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having us. I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with Jamba Juice and Starbucks. Can you tell us how many locations you have in Hawaii between the two? Uh, currently, we have 51 Starbucks in Hawaii and 29 Jamba Juice, and we're opening our 52nd Starbucks this Friday uh, at Pearl Ridge in the New Borders location. Oh, excellent. And then you guys, congratulations. You hit the $100 million mark. I saw that in the newspaper. So that must have been exciting, huh? Yeah, we're just, we, just, we just hit that uh Mark, uh, this year, and uh, it's been pretty exciting because we we just started nine years ago with uh, with zero revenue. So to hit a hundred hundred million was something we actually never dreamed of when we started. And how many employees does uh, Starbucks and Jamba Juice employ? Currently, we have about two thousand in total, which uh, includes our Florida and Puerto Rico businesses. We have probably sixteen to seventeen hundred here in Hawaii. That would be considered a major employer. <laughs> it, yeah. And it's getting bigger every day. Yeah. So, how do you folks go about finding your employees? They're always energetic and positive and you know, I, good. I've got this saying that what we have, the, the people we have in the stores is the type of people we're going to attract. So, you know, I think when people walk into Starbucks or Jamba Juice and they see the, the high energy, the fun environment, it just attracts people that uh, are naturally into that, that type of, of work environment. Are you guys having a hard time at all because the job market is kind of tight? Yeah, we are. I mean, I think everybody is with with the economy in Hawaii, and uh, it gets more challenging. But you know, we've got a pretty strong team in our HR department and recruiting that that works it hard every day. We have job fairs on a fairly regular basis at our office, which attract a good amount of people. And uh, you know, the stores themselves are are responsible for a lot of the hiring that goes on, and so the store managers uh, that's that's a big focus of theirs. Whether it's you know t- in today's economy or any time. How about the mission for Coffee Partners Hawaii? I know that you guys run this thing a little bit differently. Well, I, I think, you know, I'd say in many ways our missions are the same as, as Starbucks and Jamba Juice. We, we, that was one of the great things about these two brands, that we share a lot of uh, common values. That, that attracted us to them, frankly, other than being a customer for their products, which we both were. But, um, you know, there, there's a, there's, in both companies, there's a real focus on, on people, um, there's, we we do a lot of things with the environment, which both companies share some interest in. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of common uh, 
common values between us and the brands. How did you folks um, become familiar with these companies before it, you know, before it got away? How did you know about them? Well, we really uh, it was as customers. Um, you know, whenever Dean and I would go to the mainland, we'd we'd see those uh, the two um, brands and locations, and and actually you know seek them out to to go there as customers, and so. Um, it was sort of easy, you know. We were we were actually we had Blockbuster Video, and um, we were looking for uh, ways to expand our business and um, give our people more opportunities to grow and leverage our infrastructure. So we were looking for other concepts to bring to Hawaii, and uh, you know we were big fans of Starbucks as customers, and then also Jamba Juice. So. Was there a reason why you folks went ahead and tried to you know get this franchise type of partnership, or you know why wouldn't you just? kind of copy it and bring something similar to Hawaii yeah. with your own name and branding? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Uh, people ask us that a lot, and uh, especially when we were first starting, because in, in people tend to forget that in 1995, when we were talking to Starbucks, uh, they weren't what they are today, and a lot of people weren't familiar with it. So, you know, Greg and I have always said we're really good at, at building uh, company culture, at, at building brands, and at the real estate. We're not the most creative guys in the world. You know, we're not out there thinking up what's the next big thing. We're really good at executing. And uh, one of the kind of our internal missions, one of the things we have is that we always want to align ourselves with the number one in the category, whatever that category is when we go into it. So video, it's Blockbuster. Coffee, it's Starbucks. And uh, and juice and uh, healthy foods, it's Jamba. So what's the whole story behind this? Because it's kind of a, you know, interesting story how it all came about, right? Yeah, it is, and um, you know, Greg and I have been working together since 1989, along with uh, the guy Duncan McNaughton and his team over there. But I originally came to Hawaii with some friends who had the franchise rights for Blockbuster, and uh, soon soon after we got here, uh, we were introduced to Duncan McNaughton, who ended up investing a a, a large chunk of money uh, to get us going, and then uh, ended up buying the majority of the company soon after. But Greg and I had uh, Greg was working with Arthur Anderson at the time. And uh, he was doing a lot of consulting for our group. And then eventually he left Arthur Anderson and joined us. And uh, off we went. So that was, uh, what, 16, 17 years ago. And yeah. So we're just uh, we're getting ready to start our fourth brand together, which will be P.F. Chang's, which is going to be coming up next year. Huh. So when you guys started, you started working in Blockbuster, and then you said, I want to get something more, and you started looking at Jamba Juice and Starbucks. Did they... How does that work? You just go and you call them up? Or, I mean, how, do, how does that actually happen? Well, we, uh, like I said earlier, we, we uh, had the Blockbuster, and we'd, we'd kind of run out of development opportunity, at least what we thought. So we were looking for other brands uh, that might, we might be able to bring to Hawaii um, and complement what we had. And uh, we decided Starbucks was actually the first one that we got. So when we had um, thought at the time there was a uh, – a, an opportunity for specialty coffee in Hawaii. It was a niche that really hadn't been tapped into. We um, immediately went to Starbucks and we were uh, told that they don't franchise. So it was uh, a little discouraging. But um, did you fly up there, or you just called them on the phone, or how did um, that <laughs> it was both actually? <laughs> yeah, well, initially we sort of we, we called them thinking we'd just make a call and they'd say, "Sure, we'll you know we'll let you do it in Hawaii." But it it didn't work that way. Yeah, I mean the the, the real story it, it turns out is um, uh, it, a lot of times it's who you know or if you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody kind of thing. And uh, Duncan's cousin was the next-door neighbor of one of the um, board members, and uh, he sort of got them to take a look at us, at least. And we drafted a letter 
and said who we were, and uh, that sort of opened the door for a meeting. Uh, Dean and I went up and had a meeting with uh, Howard Bihar, who was the uh, president of Starbucks International, and really our, our timing was great because um, Starbucks had just decided that they were going to expand internationally. So they had set up this international division, which really only had two people at the time. It was Howard and one other um, person who was in charge of development. And they had just had some discussions with uh, J- some folks in Japan about expanding Japan. So um, our timing was good in that they were looking to grow internationally. And when Dean and I met with Howard, uh, we had a great meeting and really connected well with him. And uh, I think that helped. And he he was the one who went to the board of directors and sold the idea to um, allow us the development rights for Hawaii under a license agreement, which at the time had um, you know was the first, and to, actually to this day is still the only area development license agreement in the United States. Um, Starbucks has done more licensing since then with grocery stores. Um, they have a joint venture with Magic Johnson for some of the inner cities. Uh, but in terms of a, um exclusive territory, we're the only ones. Did did you initially go up with Duncan McNaughton, or you guys went up by yourself? No, Greg, Greg and I went up, and um, as he said, we met with the president of uh, of the international group. But, you know, I, I can't remember the exact timing of everything, but after we visited, it, it was probably another eight months to a year of really building a relationship um, and understanding who we are and who they are as people mm-hmm. is really what it came down to. We connected as human beings, and uh, and that's what finally persuaded them that, hey, these are probably the right guys to do this for us. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guests are Dean McPhail and Greg Meyer, CEO and President of Coffee Partners Hawaii, the team that brought Starbucks coffee and Jamba Juice to Hawaii. Today they share with us how they convinced the Starbucks and Jamba Juice management team to give them exclusive rights to expand to the islands. Did you guys try to contact them prior to Duncan's cousin helping you out? We did. We did. And, and uh, as Greg mentioned, you know, we called up there and uh, we're politely told, thanks for calling, but we're not interested in franchising. And that's something that uh, Howard Schultz, who was the CEO of uh, of Starbucks, had always said, you know, we want to keep control of our brand. And so we'll never franchise. And uh, so we, we were, again, the, the first group of this sort in, in the U.S., so after that, though, did you kind of uh, leave the idea alone and then it just so happened that Duncan's cousin was up there or were you guys constantly trying to pursue it and, and thinking of things or was it just kind of serendipitous it just came about? We, we kept calling over, I think it was a year and a half period between <laughs> the first time we made contact and when they finally said, hey, guys, we think this is a good thing to do. So a lot of phoning uh, between Greg and myself and Duncan. The three of us would kind of tag team everyone up there that we could and uh, – and keeps on the idea that, hey, you know, Hawaii is going to be a great market, but uh, it would be a good idea for you to have a local partner there helping drive the drive the brand. Mm-hmm. Did you have any fear at that time that they may just bring it themselves to Hawaii? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't know if, uh, you know, we were going to get the opportunity, and we've, we thought uh, that could happen someday, but we kept pursuing it. You know, we felt that it was important, uh, you know, that our local knowledge um, was uh, – was really some a value that we could add in uh, developing the brand here. So when you guys first, when they said okay, then how long did it take to start launching things? Well, when they, when they said okay, I, I had to first pick myself up off the floor because I was so surprised. <laughs> was I, it like I, out of the blue? They just called you and said, okay, we'll do it? It was, actually. Yeah. I, I was sitting at my desk at Blockbuster, and, uh, and the phone rang, and it was the president of Starbucks International. He said, hey, listen, uh, you know, 
we want to we want to do a deal with you guys, uh, but we want to come out to Hawaii and see you on your turf. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe it because a number of months had gone by since they basically said thanks but no thanks. Um, so once that happened, that was in, I think, uh, January mm-hmm. of 1996 when that call happened. We didn't open till the till December of the same year when we opened the store at Kahala Mall. So when did they come down then? Uh, in early February, right soon after the phone call. But uh, there was a lot of things that had to take place between you know that, that meeting and when we actually opened, including... Uh, uh, Greg and myself, uh, my brother Scott, who's a partner with us, and uh, and three of our store managers, we went to uh, Seattle, Washington, to Starbucks headquarters that summer and spent three months there, uh, most of the time working in the stores. So we really understood not only the business, because as uh, as the president of Starbucks said, you'll understand the business in about thirty days, but we really want you to understand the culture and who we are as people. So we spent we were there from the middle of July to the middle of October. You know, working in stores, and then we we had to come back and get the store built and hire people and and open it. So it was a year long. Did he area. ever say why why he changed his mind or or what kind of sparked them to say you guys are the guys? <laughs> he, I, he he's joked a couple times that the president of, uh, of of Howard, the president of Starbucks International, loves Hawaii. So uh, he always jokes, you know, I wanted to make sure Hawaii ended up in the international division, so we had to license it for, <laughs> that, to, for that to happen. But uh, I really, again, I, you know, I said this a few minutes ago, that it really came down to, to us, our group, connecting with them as human beings and really <laughs> sharing the, the similar culture and values. I mean, even though Blockbuster was a very different business than Starbucks, the way Greg and I operated that, and our philosophies, um, you know, our interaction with the community, our interaction with our people and our customers was very similar to, to what Starbucks does. And then when they came down, were they looking at specific things? They they went and looked at your Blockbuster operations, or did they look at potential locations for Starbucks? Uh, well, we did a little bit of both. They basically said that they wanted to, to see us on our turf, and um, I think that um, also helped. They had you know, had called and said they wanted to do a deal with us, but they wanted to come down and really see how we operated um, because up to that point it had all been either through meetings in Seattle or, like Dean said, via phone. So, um, you know, they saw how uh, our operations were, how, you know, um, we interacted with our people. And, um, you know, we did a little bit of touring on real estate too, but it was really mostly focused on on uh, the people in the business operations. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guests are Dean McPhil and Greg Meyer, CEO and President of Coffee Partners Hawaii, the team that brought Starbucks coffee and Jamba Juice to Hawaii. And we'll have more coming up on Sports Radio 1420. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. Is managing your business finances taking up too much of your time? Welcome to the Money Minute from Central Pacific Bank. Today, we're talking with Gail E. Gay Young, Vice President of Cash Management. For many business owners, streamlining operational processes and managing cash flow are two concerns that I often hear. The good news is cash management tools can simplify or even automate many of these processes for you. With online tools via the Internet, it's easy to take care of funds transfers, 
ACH, and wire transfer needs. Today, even payroll processing and tax payments can be handled online. By using these and other cash management tools, you can actually have more control over your finances with less effort. The time you save can allow you to refocus your energy on other important areas, such as new business development or sales growth. Today's Money Minute is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, where you'll always find bankers that are fiercely loyal to you. Central Pacific Bank, member FDIC. This is Gail Jennings from HawaiiDiner.com and EverybodyEats.org. I read selectively all of the papers, but I tend to read more of the columns at Star Bulletin. A lot of it is I like Erica Engel. I like her column, The Buzz. I get good information from that. I like their coverage of the different issues. I like the Star Bulletin. Would you recommend other people to read Star Bulletin? Absolutely. I think we need to be as informed as possible. This is Jim Tollefson, President and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce of Hawaii. I definitely would recommend the Chamber of Commerce to others. The benefits are that you get to meet other businesses, you get to work together with other businesses, and help you improve your business to make more money to be successful. If you're not a member already, you can give me a call, 545-4300, extension 388. I invite you to join us in creating a better Hawaii, a Hawaii that's better for us, for our children, and for the future. Okay, we're back with Dean McPhail and Greg Meyer. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it was when you initially started then? Was it, it just booming from the beginning and, and everything kind of went smoothly? Because from the outside, that's what it looks like. Well, we, uh, we were f- uh, pretty fortunate in that our first location at Kahala Mall, um, we opened it on December 12th, and uh, we, had, uh, we set the record for the first day sales um, for a new market for Starbucks. And you know, we were fortunate in that Christmas time in Kahala Mall, uh, there was already some, um, you know, built uh, pent up demand for Starbucks here through their mail ca- order catalog. So uh, the business was there from the beginning. Um, but then we we had a lull in real estate. It was a, probably six months until we got our second store open, and then another three or four months until the the next few stores came. So uh, we were a little bit overstaffed for a while because we had, um, uh, as Dean mentioned, we had brought our first uh, four store managers up to Seattle for three months of training prior to the first store opening. So our whole strategy was to, um, I mean, we had a plan to develop 30 stores, and we um, really started with an infrastructure that allowed us um, to open up stores at a rapid pace. So actually, though, if you have four store managers at one location, your customer service must have been spectacular. (laughs) Well, we had four store managers. We had my brother Scott, Greg, myself. So uh, there was a lot of people working in there, but as Greg said, uh, you know that that first day was was a was a booming day for an opening. But that continued on for for quite some time. Um, and although business was booming, we were it was still taking us a while to really understand the business. But I think as far as the the customer experience in the store, uh, it, it was pretty good considering the lines were wrapping down you know through the mall at Kahala. But yeah. it was kind of funny, but. The night before, I remember I went to bed on uh, December 11th, and I couldn't sleep because I was worried nobody was going to show up, <laughs> you know. 
And then, uh, Greg and I arrived at the store at about 5.30 in the morning, and there must have been 50 people in line waiting to get in. So but, that was pretty exciting. But, you know, after that, I mean, it wasn't like every store opened like that. And, you know, I remember our, our second store on Oahu, which was Ward Village, um, which has become one of our flagship stores. When we opened that, we were all down there at 5.30 in the morning, bright-eyed, waiting for the customers, and there were no customers lined up. And we're like, wow, we're all the people, you know? Yeah, I like to haul them off. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> forgot to put those posters up saying, meet us at the new location. Were you so, worried? Well, not not overly worried, but, you know, um, certainly we had we, we knew that we had um, some brand building to do and some educating uh, to to make some you know people aware of what Starbucks is all about. There was a small percentage of the population that was familiar with Starbucks, and uh, either through their travels or through the mail order, um, but there were a lot of people that had no idea what Starbucks was. Um, and when I look at our business today uh, and what we have, um, you know, we really didn't take that business from uh, any other from other coffee operators out there. We've really, uh, in my mind, created the specialty coffee category in Hawaii. The the, the business that we have today um, was not there in 1996. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because actually in Ward, there's two locations right across the street from each other, yeah. and they're both crowded. Yeah, <laughs> they are. And, you know, it's a similar similar thing on Bishop Street, where there's there's right. two uh, two stores a block away. Yeah, so uh, I was you know, just going to ask street. you, how do you go ahead and find a location and know that it's right if it's right next to each other? Uh, it's really more of an art than a science. Um, there's no magic answer or silver bullet. You know, certainly you look at um, you know traffic patterns and uh, demographics and population densities, but. For us, it really comes more down to just knowledge of the market. I mean, we that, that's one of our core competencies is um, real estate knowledge, and I feel we know the market pretty well. Um, when we look at specific locations, we'll look at things um, like uh, visibility is very important, the function, is it easy access in and out, does it have good parking, uh, who are the co-tenants, Do you, you know, we want to be next to grocery stores, and um, you know, solid co-tenants where uh, they're driving other people to the, um, the area as well. So uh, those all combine with the trade areas. Uh, you sort of put it all in the mix, and then you look at where you have locations and, um, you know, where your strategies are for the next location, for the infill of the market. And uh, you put all that in, how comes an answer, and it's yes or no, and sometimes you're right, and sometimes, you know, it's not. Uh, some stores surprise you in one way, and some surprise you in the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so- but we're fortunate we haven't, had, we haven't, we haven't closed any um, stores uh, in Hawaii. So when you put two stores right next to each other, they don't cannibalize each other's sales at all. You know what? Yeah, we know what happens. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. To answer that, yeah. um, but it, it typically is temporary. The cannibalization uh, because the stores tend to, uh, particularly at certain times of the day, have long lines. That uh, people will uh, will go to the new store, but new customers will come in the old store to fill in the line over time. After Starbucks has been had been open for that amount of time, how long did it take for you to introduce Jamba Juice to Hawaii? Well, we we opened the first Jamba Juice store in June of 1999. So it was a what is that uh, two and a half years, I guess, from the opening of the first Starbucks. But the the agreement with Jamba was um, well in the works before that, and it wasn't that long. And I can't remember exactly. I want to say like probably maybe six months to a year when we had started the conversation with Jamba Juice. And it was similar to Starbucks in that they did not um, franchise at the time. They had a few early franchisees from uh, from the earlier days. But uh, Howard Schultz was actually on the board of directors for Jamba Juice for a period, and I think he had some influence on the fact that they didn't franchise. So um, when we had our initial conversations with them, uh, we got the same answer was no. 
and it took some time and uh, discussion and convincing uh, before uh, they were agreeable to um, allowing us to have the exclusive area development rights for the state. So Starbucks and Jamba Juice has an interesting uh, community mission. I know that you guys support Ohia Productions, support the grounds and coffee. There's a there was actually a pretty long list on your website. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, well, sure. Well, one of our uh, we have six guiding principles in our mission statement, and one of them is to contribute positively to our communities and, and environment. And really, both Starbucks and Jamba Juice are not. Uh, we don't do a lot of traditional advertising. We spend most of our time and efforts and resources at marketing and doing things in the community, sponsoring events, providing um, civic organizations and charities with support, either in-kind people or with dollars. So, I mean, we have a list, uh, an endless list of things we can talk about, and I'm not really sure if... Uh, I think the underlying philosophy is more important where it's companies that have a social mission of some sort mm-hmm. or partake in community involvement and, and add that into their business they actually have a more successful business. Um, you know, I, I would agree with that, and I, I, I would say our approach has been that the, the two things that influence uh, our success here the most are what we do in the community and then what happens within the four walls of our store and, and the customer experience. And those things combined are really what drives the business. And we've never been, um, I would say, traditional marketing types. Uh, certainly there's there's times when we've, We've run an ad in the newspaper or done something on the radio or television, but it's fairly limited. And when we do that, it's more to say, hey, we, we have something new. Um, but we've really found that engaging in the community here um, is our key to success. And the, and the people of Hawaii, and I, I don't want to say we're really that different here, but I think the people of Hawaii really do appreciate that and recognize that and, uh, and, and are, have become loyal supporters many times because of that. Can you give some examples of uh, these innovative marketing, community-based marketing? Um, well, just uh, we, we have certain you – know, we, we'd like to support everybody, but, but obviously we can't. So we, we have certain um, criteria, areas of, of focus, but yet we still uh, venture outside of those areas with a lot of support. But the areas um, for Starbucks are um, – we've de- determined are um, to support the environment, to support literacy, um, the culture and the arts – um, AIDS, and then also um, the Hawaiian uh, culture with things like canoe paddling and um, things like that. So we've, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ones that we can talk about, pretty passionate about all of them, and we could be here for hours. Do you sponsor it with money, or you guys give product? How does it work? You engage them and become a part of their program? Yeah, we, we you know what, we do We do a number of things. We do both of those. I mean, oftentimes there there's a, uh, a good chunk of, of money that we'll put in. Our time is also something that I think has been a real contributor to su- successful community involvement. Oftentimes we'll get involved with a group that maybe doesn't have the resources to, to drive an event or a project, and our team will get behind it and really dive in and help you know, organize and, and plan the event and then execute it. And th- I think the other thing that has really been great for us, not only with our customers but with our internal people, is getting them people from the store level involved in these activities because oftentimes it's their first experience in any kind of philanthropic activity. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps us become one of the, you know, one of the best places to work. So as long as you get them as a part of the culture that they're engaging the community also, then everything kind of works out. Yes. Thanks a lot for coming in, Dean and Greg, to join us on Greater Good Radio Hawaii. For more information on today's show, please visit us online at Radio. 
com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii. This show is brought to you today by Central Pacific Bank. Fiercely loyal banking.